If y'all would, open your Bibles to John chapter 14. For those of you who are new, we've been working through John now for a year. And as luck would have it, we're going to look at John 14, 6. John chapter 14, but I'm going to begin reading with what we looked at last week in verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you do know him and have seen seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? These words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father dwells in me, does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. Our Father, we ask right now that through your Spirit, this would become much more than just words on a page, but your words would become alive to us and that we would hear Jesus speaking. Pray that you would open up dull minds, hardened hearts to receive these life-giving words. May my words fall to the ground and blow away and not be remembered anymore. But Lord, may your words remain and may they change us. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. I have an old family Bible here. This, This Bible has been in my family for at least five generations. Uh, I mean, you can have your little iPhone Bible, but when you show up for a meeting with this, uh, you put that down. I mean, people know you mean business. But, it, but the reason I got this out was I, I wanted to just kind of see if you, you just let it fall and whatever it will fall, where, where's it going to open? Like, where's it going to open to? And John 14 is the chapter that most Bibles naturally fall to. Uh, I got my, my dad's old Bible, and I, I kind of did the same thing. And you can tell that, you know, there might be some sections in Leviticus or Second Chronicles where you have to, you know, peel through the little pages a bit. But, but when it comes to John 14, you can tell the pages are worn. It's underlined. It's highlighted. John 14, 6. Most Bibles are that way. John 14, 6 has been one of the, uh, the seminal verses 
in all of Christianity. It is, it is a key to understanding our faith. It's not a complex verse. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. It's not really hard to understand. Christians and non-Christians alike can read these words and, for the most part, understand them. So it's not necessarily in the understanding them. It's, it's them getting to our heart and transforming us. That's the hard part. We looked at the first part of chapter 14 last week that leads up to this. And, and in 14, we, we heard Jesus telling his disciples that he was going to prepare a place for them, preparing a home for them. We all have this sense of home, this longing for home, and Jesus was going to prepare a home. A home is kind of an understatement for what he is providing. After the message last week, I had some people come up to me and they're like, how, you know, how logistically, how can we all fit in this one house? <laughs> I mean, you've got millions and millions of Christians, possibly, you know, billions by the time Christ returns, and so how's this going to work? Let me, let me just tell you, we will fit, okay? We're going to fit. Uh, the Apostle John, he later, he has, he has a vision of this. You can read about it in Revelation 21, in which this house, you realize, is really, really a city. These, these homes are really rooms that fit within this great city. And when John has this vision, it measures this city 1,380 miles wide, 1,380 miles long, and 1,380 miles high is this city. It's staggering the dimensions of the new Jerusalem as it, as it comes down to earth. You will fit. If that's a concern for you this morning, know that you will fit in this home. And when Jesus says he's going to prepare this place, this, this beautiful place for his disciples, he's not saying, all right, now I'm going to put my carpentry skills to use. You know, I'm going get out, to get out the old hammer, get out the old nails, and I'm going to start adding on these rooms. That's not the preparation that Jesus is talking about. No, he, he, here as we read this, we have to understand that our home is already finished. What Jesus is doing is preparing the way for us to get there. The home is finished, it's beautiful, but there's something blocking the path. And it's the obstacles of sin and death are keeping us from going to that home. Sin and death have to be dealt with for us to finally have that, that home that we've always been longing for, that home in which our home now, as happy as it is, that home just is a mere shadow Sin and death must be obliterated. And so the preparation Jesus is talking about here is the cross and the resurrection. The preparation is the battle with sin and death that happens at the cross and the victory that is won in the open tomb. And so this, this morning we celebrate the fact that the preparation is completed and our home awaits. It's finished. After Jesus says these comforting words, we have Thomas who raises a question. I told you, you know, a couple of weeks ago that every Easter we have to pull out Thomas. Um, we get to hear from him normally in another section of scripture, but here we get to hear from Thomas. And he asks, Lord, you say you're going away, but how are we going to know 
where you are? How can, how can we find the way? And you can throw Thomas under the bus all you want. If he did not ask this question, we would not have this statement. This goes down in one of the greatest statements in the history of mankind. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me, Thomas. And Jesus does not say here that he is a way, a truth, and a life. He says he is the definitive. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way to heaven. He is the truth about who God is. And he is the source of all life. To be in his presence is to be alive. And although Jesus says it, probably the most clear he's ever stated it right here, this is something that Jesus has been saying all along, as we have seen as we've gone through the Gospel of John this last year. And so we would see it when we come into chapter 2, and Jesus would be talking to Nathaniel, and he'd say, Nathaniel, you are going to see angels ascending and descending on me. I'm the bridge, I'm the staircase that unites heaven to earth. You can't get to heaven unless you go on me. He told Nicodemus in chapter three, whoever believes in me has eternal life. He told the woman at the well in chapter four that he could give her water that would bubble up to eternal life. In chapter five, he told the people who were trying to kill him, he said, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes or whoever hears my words and believes in the one who sent me has eternal life. Truly, truly, I say to you that an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear my voice and they will come to life. Chapter six. He says, I am the living bread. If anybody eats this bread, he will live forever. Chapter seven, he says, if anybody is thirsty, come to me and drink. And out of his heart is gonna flow living water. In chapter eight, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Chapter nine, Jesus says the same thing. I am the light of the world. In chapter 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. He also says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And I love it when we come to chapter 11, which is so similar to the verse we just read, in which we have Jesus coming up to a Martha who is grieving the loss of her brother. And Jesus looks at her and says, I tell you, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever believes in me, though he dies, he will never, or though, though he dies, he will live. In chapter 12, Jesus said, I came into this world as light, so that whoever believes in me will not remain in darkness. We see it over and over. So it's no surprise when we get to chapter 13, chapter 14, when Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples and we have this final discourse and Jesus wants to summarize his entire life and ministry and who he is and what our response to him needs to be. He says these words, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one, 
No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, I am the way. This is as exclusive as a claim as you can make. I am the way. If there was another way, do you think Jesus would have come here to suffer and to die the way he did? Do you think Jesus would have gone to the cross if there had been any other way? If, if, this, if all Jesus was going to do was add one more road going up the same mountain, all going up to the top, joining the many other roads leading to the same place, do you think Jesus would have done this? There was no other way. Even in the garden, Jesus is pouring out his heart to his father. He says, Father, if there is any other way, let this cup pass. But there was no other way because Jesus is the way. He is the way. Every other way hits the same roadblock. No matter which way you try to get to heaven, it all hits the same roadblock, and it's the roadblock of sin and death, and you can't go past them. Sin and death block the path of every philosophy, every religion. Jesus alone is the way because Jesus alone has created or opened up for us a way by dealing with sin and death. Jesus has removed these obstacles. He, he has taken away our sin. He has obliterated death when he rose from it. He says, I have removed these barriers. I have prepared for you a place. I am the way. You want to go to heaven? Well, come through me. Come through me. He says, I am the truth. Jesus is the truth about who God is. You don't have to wonder who God is anymore. You just have to look at Jesus. Jesus didn't come to us some kind of abstract philosophy or as some kind of argument or logic. The Father came to us through his son Jesus, a person. That's the truth. Philip, he asked Jesus in verse 8, says, Lord, show us the Father and that's enough. And I bet when Philip said that, Jesus' heart just broke. Just broke. I mean, Philip, have I been with you for so long and you still don't know who I am? That is one of the most heartbreaking verses we have in the Bible. It's a scary statement because here we see somebody can literally follow Jesus for three years, be part of his inner circle, eat with him, hear him teach, see him do all of his amazing miracles, and yet not know him. If that can happen to Philip, it can happen to any person here sitting in this room. You could grow up in church, you can know all of the verses, you can have your Bible with your name on it. Do you know who Jesus is? Have I been with you for so long and yet you still do not know me, Philip? Don't you know that if you've seen me, and he's not talking about seeing with your retinas here. It's a different word he's using for seeing. He's talking about, do you perceive? Do you understand? 
Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Jesus tells Philip, if you really want to know who the Father is, you want to know what he's like, what he cares about, the way he thinks, the way he acts, the way he loves, if you really want to know all about God the Father, all you have to do is look at me. I wonder what John thought as he was hearing these words. I love it. Just, you know, just a few moments earlier, John is literally, he's leaning against the breast of Jesus. He's that close. And now he's realizing he was leaning against the breast of Yahweh. That God is that intimate with us, that God cares about us that much. If you want to know the truth about who God is, you have to look to Jesus. And then Jesus, he says he's also the life. He gives us a life that will never die because it is a life that has already survived the grave. It's already survived the grave. So Jesus is the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. But Jesus is not only the way to heaven, he's, he's also showing us, when he says, I am the way, he, he's showing the way in which we must go in order to be with him. And what that means is we all go the route, unless Jesus comes quickly, we all go the route of death, then resurrection. Uh, my dad, when I got his Bible out just to see about John fourteen six, you know, uh, my dad had died a long time ago and I had not brought his, his Bible out. And so I, I get this and there was one one piece of paper in there that had notes on it. It was just an envelope that my dad had grabbed. And so these were the last notes that uh, he had written down. I don't know if this was days before, weeks before he died. But here's the first thing that's written on this envelope. Mortality is 100%. And life is at its best brief. It doesn't matter if you live 80 to 100 years it is but a moment compared to eternity. Can you name the second pharaoh of the 13th dynasty? You will be forgotten. And not only will you die, but your works will die with you. Even if you were to build a great city, it is nothing but a sandcastle. Yet this life we have now is the seed time for eternity. I tell you, I, could, I couldn't really believe this when I, when I found this, this notes, these notes that my dad had made. Yet I know this, my dad didn't fear death because he knew John 14, 6. He knew Jesus. He knew that this is the way we must go. We go through death and then we are raised. I tell you, I don't fear death. Can I say that as clearly and as loudly as I can? I don't fear death. The church... His church should not fear death because we have the one who has gone before us. He has paved the way. He is the way to heaven. We no longer fear death because now we get to walk through death with Jesus. 
It's like Jesus is holding our hand, just saying, you know, I, I'm the way, and he literally is the way as long as we hold on to him. And if ever we get scared when, when death and darkness is approaching, Jesus just kind of squeezes our hands. He says, it's all right, I'm here. If, if anyone objects to where we are going, if, if Satan throws up objections, if our past throws up our objections and says, hey, you, you can't go this way, you can't come in here, you know, all you have to say is, I'm with him. That's it. I'm with him. He's my way. If all you can see is darkness, all you can feel is lostness, hear Jesus saying, hey, I've been here before and I know the way out. The grave cannot keep me. This is what we believe when we proclaim loud and clear that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. That when we put our hands in Jesus, when he reaches hold and he grabs hold of us, nothing can separate us from God. We're going to come to this table this morning as a celebration of this. Yes, we're going to remember his death, we're going to remember his crucifixion, but we're also going to remember that Jesus Christ conquered death. He conquered it. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. In the same way he took the cup, he said, this cup is my blood, it's poured out for the forgiveness of many. And I love what the Apostle Paul later says in 1 Corinthians. He tells the church, said, as often as you eat of this bread and you drink of this cup, you proclaim the death of Jesus until he comes again, in which he will come again. Pray with me. Jesus, right now, we ask that we would indeed commune with you as we partake of these elements. We ask that you would bless them. Bless us with your presence. May this be a time where we truly worship you, our way, our truth, and our life. Amen.